the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let me see if I can make this logic clear verbally. It's, it's in my head. I'm going to see if I can express it. Okay. One line of the logic, one, one sentence is, they say of John the Baptist in the Gospel today, what will this child be for the hand of the Lord who is with him? They were all amazed about John the Baptist. Why? Well, because of the stories that we've been hearing for the last few weeks of the Gospel. His dad became mute for a long time, for nine months until he was born. Then when they named him John and his dad, Zechariah, affirmed that his mouth opened, so there was another miracle there. He started to speak again, and everyone was shocked by everything. Just these kind of, you know, relatively minor miracles. Everyone was amazed. What kind of guy is this, this John going to be? They were amazed by him. He was basically something miraculous. And his parents were too old to have kids and all kinds of miracles, one after the other. Okay, that's the first part of this argument that I want to make. The second part is this. Way later in the Gospel, 30 years later, people ask Jesus about John the Baptist. And he says a bunch of things about him. And he says, among other things, he says, no one born of woman is greater than John the Baptist. He is the best person that has ever lived. But the smallest in the kingdom of God is greater than he is. This is what Jesus says. So no one born of woman, so by nature, John the Baptist is the best person that's ever lived, according to Jesus. But the lowliest member of the church who was baptized as we were baptized in the, in the name of the Trinity, who was given the Holy Spirit in a way that even, even John the Baptist didn't receive. Jesus says, the lowest one is greater than John the Baptist. So if John the Baptist is basically a living miracle, and if every single one of us is greater than him, what's the conclusion? What does that mean about me? And what does it mean about you? You can make the conclusion. That means we should say of ourselves, what will this child be? What will we be? What am I capable of? What good is possible through me now that I am united to God? Now that I'm a member of the body of Christ? If John the Baptist is an amazing being that everyone around was shocked, even at his birth, How should we feel about ourselves, our own hearts, our own souls that have been made temples of God, that are renewed in that every time we receive the Eucharist, the place where God dwells? How should I feel about myself? No matter what I have done in my past, sins I've committed, because those sins are forgiven in confession, no matter what tragedies have, have fallen upon me, struggles that I've had to go through, no matter how much life has beaten me down, none of that takes away the grace of being united to God. None of that undoes baptism. And so the conclusion is still there no matter what, that I am a living miracle. And my consciousness of that should not make me dare be prideful. You might think, Father Andy's up here telling everybody he's a miracle. No, I'm not saying that just about myself. I'm saying that about all of us. And in fact, a lot of times, people who really are prideful in the sinful way, 
they're arrogant in a sinful way, they live that way, they act that way because they don't feel that they're worth anything. It's because of something that they're missing in their heart that they want to brag and show off and put other people down. And so if I am really conscious if I'm aware the kind of value that I have, that's actually a better way, that's a, a, a more correct step towards being truly humble. It's also a correct step to living the right way. Because if I know and I'm conscious that I'm the temple of God, that God lives in my heart when I receive the body of Christ, He's living within me. Okay, then where am I going to go and what am I going to do and how am I going to act if I'm aware of that? It becomes kind of second nature, it becomes obvious if we're conscious of that, if we're aware that God is that close to us, that God lives within us, it's almost impossible to think about committing a sin at that point. So what am I saying? I'm saying for the new year, as we're going closer to Christmas, this is one of the things that prayer is. Prayer is, among other things, it's a conversation with God, but it's a conversation with a God who is our friend who lives within us. So grow in, as we grow in awareness of that, be conscious of that all the time. Start your day with a prayer, like an awareness that God lives within you. Then, then you know, I know when you first wake up, it's a different story. Then you brush your teeth. Okay, keep that consciousness. Try to remind yourself of that. Then you see the first person of the day. They're annoying. Okay, well, remember who you are. But also, here's the harder part. Remember who they are, too. Remember that's the temple of God that you're talking to as well. And nothing that they can do takes that away. Imagine living with that consciousness day after day of yourself and of others. Imagine how different life would be. And even if they don't, okay, pray for them that they can grow with that as well. But show them an example. You be an example as well of how you treat yourself and how you treat others. That God has entered our world and that on Christmas, which we're going to celebrate in just a few days, He's cut through all of it and uh, made these miracles a daily occurrence, made the Eucharist a daily occurrence, made our baptism a daily occurrence, a real reality. Let's continue to be aware of that as we go into Christmas and try to retain it as we go into the new year on a daily, in a daily way.